Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of It Be Your Own People, a podcast about what's going on in pop culture and being a POC in today's social environment. Cause sometimes it be your own people. Maybe it's your brother, sister, or a friend. Karen at the job or Karen next door. A leader of the movement you thought you could trust. Most of the time it's somebody you already know. Beware of the wolves, y'all. And now more than ever, people are showing you who they really are. And you need to know who you can trust. Hello and welcome back to episode three of It Be Your Own People. Today, we're going to start it off as we always do with a delicious cocktail of the day. You know it. Uh, today, I have started out with my own rendition of what I like to call a little uh, a little faker on a mule. So uh, a little bit veering off of the traditional mule. I have some blood orange soda, some Tito's vodka. And for a little bit of a little classy flair, I've added some Cantone for some ginger flavor because I know how much Treva loves that ginger. I do love the ginger. And that sounds delicious. So I'm going to need you to make me one of those next time I see you. But I'm also following suit with you, Sally, and I'm doing a twist on an espresso cocktail. Now, an espresso cocktail normally has vodka. I'm going to switch it up and put some mezcal up in there. I love mezcal Ooh. and I need a bit of a pick me up. So today I'm having a very sexy mezcal espresso cocktail. Oh, I'm going to need that. You know what? The next time we get together, we're going to switch. I'm going to make this for you. You're going to make that for me. How about that? Let's cheers to that. Clink, 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 clink. And that will be the perfect way for us to celebrate the anniversary of the Panasonic lockdown. Mm. Let's have a very brief moment of silence as it's now been an entire year since the country went to shit. And we've been locked up in our homes. We've been drinking, 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 making these strong drinks. You know, I'm really I'm scared for these bartenders when everything reopens up because people are going to be drinking and be like, is there alcohol in this? But you know what? It'll be better for the businesses that do need help. And on top of that, we can look at this past year as a year of reflection and we are heading in the right direction. So that's the positive in everything. How about that? You are right. You are right. And that's it for our cocktails for the day. Let's get started with the show. Okay, we're going to start off by playing a game. It's called Broke or Balling. Now, the topic is splitting a check. Is this broke bitch behavior? What do you think, Sally? Hmm, I say it definitely depends on the context. So what do you mean? Yeah, I agree with you. It does depend. So here we go. Is it broke or balling to split a check with friends? What kind of friends are we talking about? Like best friends, friends that, you know, like sister friends, associates. We talking about your good, your good girlfriends, your good homeboys, your homies, people that you call on whenever. We talking about your good friends. So I'd say that for the most part, if it's people that I hang out regularly that I see all the time, I really don't care about doing the whole, oh, you got this, you got that. Because the way I see it is it all evens out at the end. We're all hanging out, you know, things. I just believe in karmic balance. So it's gonna, it's gonna balance out one way or the other. Now, I will say that within our circle of friends, we're pretty good about understanding if I ordered 19 drinks and all you had was some salsa water with like a cucumber. 
then obviously either we're going to split it according to what we got or one of us is just going to pay for the whole thing. I agree with you on that. And one of the rare forms that I may be having a dry month and no alcohol and you happen to feel like you got to let your feelings out and drink like two, three bottles of vodka or whatever. Yeah, you know what? If you want to pay for it, I got you. If you want to pay for the whole thing, I got you. And if you want to split it, I got you too. Exactly, exactly. It depends, especially if you have someone you don't really know that well who wants to drink away their feelings and then ask you to split down the middle. We ain't about to have that. (laughs) So what about if you split the check with coworkers? You know, back in regular times when we go and have a little coworker happy hour, what about if your coworker wants to split? What, what you doing then? So definitely, again, depends on the context. Um, like, okay, so if me and my coworker, we're in the same position and we're both making the same and the things that we ordered are relatively similar, I'm just going to say let's split it down the middle. But again, it's one of those things where, oh, you order 19 drinks. Like we ain't got to be up at five o'clock in the morning the next day. And all I had was some water and maybe some truffle fries. I'm going to think that it's the, you know, the decent thing that you're going to say, oh, separate checks or, you know, I'm going to grab this. But if I'm going out with a coworker that I know is making bazank, oh, girl, you should be picking that up with a corporate card. I hear you. But let's say there's no corporate card involved. What I'm doing is regardless if I like you or not. I'm going to have my separate check. We not about to be on the same check. We not doing that right here. You know what? But I, right. do, I do have some jobs where me and coworkers have been very close. And I kid you not, you know, when I roll up in a job, I'm usually one of the few or only POCs there. But when I see other people, we have this connection. We get together. We go for brunch. We have an after work happy hour. And yo, we know each other. We spend down the middle. Or, you know, I got you, girl. Next time you get me for drinks and you know, whatever it is. Yes, so. you're right. You're right. In those situations, it's always like if it's like a like a coworker that it's more of an acquaintance and not someone that you're really cool key key with, mm-hmm. we're gonna be doing separate checks off jump. And I'm gonna be the first one to be like, oh hi, can we can we do separate checks, please? Exactly. Just to, you know, keep it copacetic, make sure that there's no misunderstandings later on down the line, because I'm not trying to pull a stewie and have to hit you over the head with a broken glass because you owe me money and I see you buying lobster and crab for lunch. Absolutely. So how about when we split in a check on a date? What you doing? I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Yes, radio silence because that's not what we're doing. But you know what, Sally, we do have a good friend that definitely believes in splitting a check on the first date. And I don't agree with that whatsoever. Trust and believe I have the money to split it. But, you know, I want to be courted out here in the streets. So you will be splitting that check. We both have jobs. We both are of certain calibers in our life that like that's that's just not what I'm looking for. We're not about to split this. I don't care who acts who out. That's not what we're doing. No. So I will say that, you know, while I am this super empowered woman, um, I always make the effort and the intention to suggest that we split the check. Okay. Um, now if, if I really insist on splitting the check down the middle, you know what that means? That means I did not enjoy myself. I am 100% letting you know that I am friend zoning you. 
We are not about to go to first, second, third base. You bait, you not even making it into the ballpark. Okay. You're not making it into the park at all. No, no. And, and if it comes out to, I'm offering a paper, the whole thing all together. Oh, honey, you best believe you get a blood at the end of the night. Absolutely. If you're feeling some sort of vibes where you're like, nope, I need to get out of here. This ain't it. You need to go. I need to be out. If you feel that way and you just want to be done with it, I feel you on that. But, you know, if this someone I'm feeling. Mm-mm. Yeah, but I'm definitely with you because I'm just like the way that I see it. I feel that, you know, it's not even about chivalry. It's just what I'm expecting. And I have a lot to offer. I know what I'm worth. That's and, right. you know, you better come correct. I agree with you and I'm all about empowerment and I have our own, we have our own, right? But expectations is key and very huge on dates. So you know what, whether you want to put that out there or do that fake reach, let's make sure we on the page. I will say that there've been certain situations where I have been adamant on splitting the check because I have gotten a very skeevy vibe from the dude where it's based on this idea that they think that because they're buying you dinner, they're buying you drinks. The, uh, the expectation is that you're supposed to, you know, give up the poom poom. And I'm sorry, but if I want to do that, okay. If I'm feeling it, I'm feeling it. If I'm not, that just shouldn't be the expectation. Why? Because you paid for a couple of rounds of some Tito's and seltzer, or we had some wine and you decided to go bottom shelf, even though I very, I was very clear in that I am minimum a mid-shelf girl. I understand that. And you know what? There are a lot of guys out there that definitely think, oh, I'm paying for this bill. So that means I'm getting something. Now, for me, you ain't getting nothing. You're just going to pay for this. You're going to treat me like, um, hello, we're all proper adults here. If I feel like doing something, I feel like if I don't, then I won't, but it's not going to be because you paid for a bill that I can easily handle myself, whether I split it or I handle the whole thing. Don't come with those expectations. That's what we're not about to do. But what about if you split checks with family? What about that? Mm, okay. So I will say that for my immediate family, this isn't ever really an issue. Um, for most of my siblings, you know, we go out, we have a good time. And honestly, we end up fighting over who gets to pay, not over who gets to not pay. Because that's like, you know, typical things. And the way that I see it, it's like with friends. So everything evens out at the end. Now, what I will say is that you have to be very careful because there are some family members out here, not my immediate family members, that they will come out, you'll take them out to lunch. And then all of a sudden the bill comes and guess what? The bowel movements be a rocking oh no not the bowel movements yeah i gotta go to the bathroom see with me i'm always gonna handle you know my siblings my parents whatever it is especially my younger family members cousins whatever i got you it really doesn't matter you know hanging out with my sisters if i'm gonna grab some drinks and i'm gonna grab food don't even worry about paying me back that's don't even bring that up in question But you see with them family members, you know, distant cousins, people you can't trust. I mean, they're still your family. That's why they're around. But if you can't even leave your purse in the room, because I mean, some of my family members been through things (laughs) and, you know, I love you and all, but not in that way. So if you're going to run off to the bathroom when that check comes, you know, if you got that type of cousin that's asking for unlimited amounts of free lemons and sugar packets and they're making their own lemonade. Yes. Order, uh, you know, expensive ass steak and then run off to the bathroom when the bill comes. 
no, 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 cousin. I'm waiting for you. I'm going to bring that. Yeah, check. all of a sudden, it's the Activia Challenge activated as soon as the bill is asked for. And oh. you see, when I do that, when I get up to go to the bathroom, uh, when, the, when we ask for the bill, it's usually because I'm walking myself over to my server and giving my card and saying, hey, don't even bother bringing the bill over. I want to take care of this because this help is not going to let me pay unless I do it this way. Oh, yeah. And I'm notorious for walking off. Saying oh, I know you are. Room, and I drop off my card with the bartender or the server. And I'm letting them know, yo, I got this. I already handle it. Do not pay with their card. Just let them put their card down and think, you know what I mean, that they got it. But I yes. just my family and friends are being like, yo, I got this. I'm on that sneak low tip. That's how I do it. But them shady cousins, we family. So I can't ex you for my life. But um, no, you, you're not going to do that with me. See, you're the quintessential example of it be your own people in the positive way to where now I feel like, especially between like our friend group, we have to start coming up with sneaky ways where we each try to figure out who's going to get to the server to decide who's going to pay first. So Treva used to do the whole uh, thing about going to the bathroom. Then I started doing this thing about before we even sit down, I give the server my card and say, don't even bring me the bill. Then she started doing this thing where she is besties with the managers, the hostess, the mama, the grandmama, the owner of the restaurant, and she'll oh, yeah. call ahead. She'll leave a bar. So now I got to call two weeks in advance and let them know hey i'm about to come there in two weeks you better not even think about taking this girl's payment yeah that's just how i do i go all out but i also know a lot of people so i like to be surprised and left and right that's how i do that's how i do out here damn this is really giving me nostalgia for our nights and times and like our random brunches our dinners going all around this i miss Gemma. But you know what? Regular moments like that, going out, having fun drinks will happen again. So we are looking forward to that. And that wraps up our game of broke or balling. Now on to what the fuck news. What the fuck news. Let's get into Simone Biles. Sally, tell us what she's doing. So Simone Biles, Black Excellence, Black Queen, Black Queen, Melon Magic, just, you know, all of the wonderful things that come with just being a POC, beautiful, amazing Olympic medalist in gymnastics. She's contorting her body and moving herself around in ways that I honestly did not even understand that the human body can do. So I think that by now we can all agree that Simone Biles is one of the best to ever do it. Probably the best to do it for years to come. Mm -hmm. We have worlds coming up and the way that the scoring in uh, gymnastics go works has to do with the level of difficulty and your accuracy and the way that you're able to actually nail the movements. So it stands to reason that the more difficult the movement, the more points you're going to get. And points are uh, graded, you know, how we do in school through A through J with, I believe, J being the highest score that you can get. The problem is it, now judges are claiming that they intend to actually penalize Simone Biles for how difficult her movements are. That it, is crazy. Right. Because they're saying, oh, my God, you're, basically, they're punishing her for being so great at what she does because they know that no one else will be able to attempt and nail what she's doing as a way to keep them from being hurt, which I think is complete and utter bullshit. And this is quintessential. What the fuck? Oh, yes, this is absolute BS. 
This is another way to keep the excellent black woman down, but we're not having it. Simone Biles will shine through as she always does. Yeah. And and it's just ridiculous. It goes, okay. So we, she spends her entire career trying to be the best at what she does. She gets to the top and then they're basically trying to say, oh, well, we're going to cut you down because we can't have you be too good so that other people don't feel bad about themselves for not being able to achieve to what you're doing. This is that participation trophy crap that I really do not stand behind whatsoever. We're going to continue to create new heights and new levels. And then we got you, girl. We got you. So now moving into this full Meek Mill and his insensitive lyrics in a song called Don't Worry, R.I.P. Kobe. The line in question reads, if I ever lack, I'm going out with my chopper. It be another Kobe. Now tell us why Meek Mill needs to get dragged out here, Sally. I mean, this is pretty self-explanatory. We just are now celebrating the year anniversary of the tragic passing of not just Kobe, but his very young and beautiful daughter, Gianna, in addition to all of those other people in that helicopter who also passed away. Not a single person survived. Now, I understand that when it comes to music and entertainment, it's all about sensationalism. It's all about trying to get to what sells. But how dare you at this point in your career? And, you know, I was just starting to stand behind Meek Mill. Because I could not stand him at first. And then I watched the documentary. I got to know his story. I realized, you know what? I understand you have been a product of your environment. You were fucked over by the criminal justice system. All of these things. I really, I really still behind him. And his last project was really good. But then he wants to come out here talking about, oh, if I'm going to go out with a chopper, I go, excuse me, sir, come on. Come on, have a little bit of respect. And then the fact that he calls this song, R.I.P. Kobe, come on. See, my thing is, this is classic what the fuck news. And it really does be your own people. And my issue with Meek Mill is we've given him, at least I have, chance and chance and chance again. Because I didn't really, I'm with you, Sally. I didn't really care about him in the beginning. And it was when he started dating Nicki Minaj. I was like, okay, I guess, you know, he's not that bad looking. He got talent, whatever. I came around to him. And then there were just so many instances where, you know, he falls into an issue. It may not be his fault, but he tries to get us back on his side. This right here, I'm done. Like, there's no coming back from this. You don't use someone else's perishing to thrive off of. You don't get clout from talking about someone else's death especially when it's a well-known person and their child. This is sad. It's distasteful. And you just, I'm done with you. Like, bye, McMill. Cancel. Bye. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that, and what annoyed me even more so than the lyric itself, which was atrocious and uh, reprehensible, was the fact that he's going on Twitter. He's obviously, it, it, to me, it seems like he's chasing clout. He's Absolutely. claiming to have apologized personally to Vanessa Bryant. Claim. And I feel like he's operating under this axiom of it's better to ask forgiveness than to ask for permission. That doesn't work in every single context, honey. It just does not. And the way that he's just been acting on social media and, you know, first of all, Meek Mill is 2021. I know your phone has autocorrect in there. What is spelled W H A T? Not W-H-E-T. I don't even know what the hell that word is. Well, you know, he's never been one for education and whatnot. But again, 
But I'm, autocorrect is your friend. So you see, I love, I'm an iPhone user, you know, not Android. And I, I'm not really taking, you know, sides on, but I've always been an we iPhone We are not user. for the green bubbles. I am not. But you I know also, who you are in the group. I chat. also don't hate on the people who have Androids, right? But what I'm saying is my I iPhone, do. my iPhone, I think is really somebody who set me up. It be on people. I think someone who created my phone, you know, was trying to take me down and was black, right? Because I don't understand how anytime my <laughs> autocorrect is not on my side. My autocorrect be Yeah, your autocorrect be going wild wild. My autocorrect is trash. It those be your own autocorrect. It be my own iPhone, it be my own autocorrect. It's legit. It be your own people, your own devices because my autocorrect hates me. I know what I'm writing and it legit would be like, nope, we're going to fuck you up today. That's you know what I will say is that um, I do like how when you're trying to write bitches, it autocorrects to birches. And then I just started calling people birches. No, my autocorrect has not yet picked up on the things that I say all the time. And that's a problem. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I've been with you for a minute now. Is it time I should switch? Wait, you've had that phone for a while. How has it not picked up on the regular, regular things that you say? Okay, you see, it be your own co-host. Don't be putting me out there. Yes, I'm not on the newest iPhone. Thank you very much. I'm a little dated. <laughs> no, I, I didn't even iPhone. mean like that. I swear mm-hmm. I didn't even mean like I was yeah. not. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're gonna we gonna wrap <laughs> this up. Thank you. You know what the F news, it be your own co-host. Mm. Okay, and now switching gears a little bit to something a little bit more positive. We winning. We are going to be discussing how Oprah interviews Harry and Meghan Markle. Now, one of my favorite things that I did love about this interview was even though I will recognize that Harry and Meghan are out here spilling all the tea, telling all the truth. Although really, it wasn't really spilling a whole lot of tea because who was really surprised to find out that the British monarchy is full of racist bigots and just people who suck. Um, my favorite part was Oprah's reactions to everything. Absolutely, girl. Now, I know it was definitely a lot of good tea. I was sipping and I was sipping. I was like, oh, I just burned myself. I'm sipping so fast. Yeah. But- You know what? There are a lot of people who are surprised because they just don't want to believe it. But I'm saying, you know what? We're going to do a hashtag. We winning for Meghan Markle because you are better off without these royals that Mm -hmm. don't understand how great you are, how much you've overcome through the media in America and the UK. You have a lot of people who have bashed you left and right. You can't catch a break. You've also drug her through the mud. You've also overcome mental issues. And we really want to highlight you for that. You are winning. You're telling your story. Nobody else can tell your truth but you, Megan. And you have done that quite well. So I'm glad you got to do it with the biggest, you know, black billionaire journalist mogul, our everything Oprah. And yes, I will let you know that her reactions were, I'm sorry, it was quite funny. She paused the eyebrows for me. What? Oprah. Oh, yes somebody what's what's the next um award show coming up the oscars is that come or did that pass i'm so behind i'm not sure but oprah should get Emmy, yeah she needs uh for something like best codes because honestly it, i need an award for oprah and then i need an award for her eyebrows because that arch was like perfectly on cue you could not have directed that any better but you know what she also needs an award for good full hair i was like oprah honey yeah. Hair was full and nice. I was like, hashtag we went into Oprah's hair and also to Megan's truth, 
her story is out there her truth is told and then we also gonna give a hashtag to harry and megan's little baby and their new upcoming their new upcoming little girl that's on the way so i think they i'm happy for them yeah claps all around claps snaps balloons streamers all that uh, moving on, so taking a little bit, you know, more into the positive aspects. So throughout the last 400 years, we've tried to have these discussions on whether or not it is possible uh, to, for us to have reparations amongst Black people within America because of slavery. And recently in Asheville, North Carolina, this is something that's now starting to become real. Tree, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I agree, you know, seeing an article in the New York Times talking about it's just not enough to remove statues. We need to start taking action. And I think that the city leaders in Asheville, North Carolina, really got it right. Their goal was to help create generational wealth for black people who have been hurt by income, education and healthcare disparities. So the city not only apologized for slavery, and other historical injustices to Black people that not only make up the 12% of the 93,000 people in the city's population, but just bringing up the fact that they have been approved to give back reparations to these people is an amazing, amazing, you know, goal for all of the other states, cities in America to follow. I think we should all get on their page. We have come through a lot. And my problem is that people don't realize that people who aren't, you know, races of color, they don't realize that. And they just think, oh, you know, you're complaining or why don't you work harder? Or, you know, when you're starting at a lower point or a disadvantage in some way, I think that reparations is a great way to help, especially with income and education. You know, where you go to school, where you get your education from, where you live, right? That can change in it can make a huge difference in a lot of different people's lives, but also with historical injustices. We've seen a big insurgence in that over the past year. And I think reparations is a great way to get that. And I'm going to read up more on um, how I can possibly move to Asheville, North Carolina <clears throat> and get, get some of that. You know, I need some help. I would like that. Well, right you know, there. we got we got family in North Carolina, so we already oh. have a foot through the door in trying okay. to understand how maybe at least some of us can start to reap the benefits of these particular systems. And, you know, for me, it's I, I love the fact that we're talking about this today because I just got uh, done discussing this with my students. And looking at this idea of equity versus equality, because they are two vastly different things. And when we're talking about equality, it's about making sure that everyone has equal opportunity, but that doesn't really work within our society because not everyone generationally, historically has had the same aspects. That's like, you know, the fence example that I like to use. You have an eight foot fence, but you have different people of different of different heights. Does it make sense then if I'm five foot three and Matumbo, who is like 10 feet tall, does it make sense then that he and I would have the same size step stools to look over this eight foot fence? No, absolutely not. Because guess what? You give me a two foot stool, my short ass is still having to hop over and I still can't be able to see. Absolutely. But you know what? People of color have jumped. They've walked. They ran up they these swam. stairs, swam. They've, you know, hidden under the, under the ground, hidden under the ground. You know, we've done all the things. 
and not yeah, for an actual railroad though that was a euphemism <laughs> is that clear yes Portia Williams that was a euphemism but we have done all of these things and proved ourselves time and time again and I'm just gonna need for everybody to realize like we are on the same playing field but we had to work harder Yes, exactly. And I love the fact that we're now starting to have conversations where we can start to course correct, where we have fallen so far behind from the onset. Yes, it's just recognizing your privilege and recognizing where other people come from is a huge major difference. Let's keep that in mind. We are introducing a new segment we like to call Good Reads and Reads of the Week. Also known as Bitch, you're welcome. We saved you from having to read the same tired ass books by the same dried up white authors that don't know shit about black or POC culture. Check this out. We are starting off today's section. We're talking about Sister Soldier, Life After Death. Yes, claps are claps all around. I'm so excited for this new Sister Soldier book after so many years of, you know, taking a break, which she definitely deserves. But I mean, she gave us greats like Coldest Winter Ever, Midnight. There's so many good reads that, I read, that I read decades ago that I probably shouldn't have been reading at the time, but I definitely enjoyed it. And so I can't wait to dive into this good read. And I know I will take a Sister Soldier book over Fifty Shades of Grey and that bullshit any day, any day, all day. You mean Fifty Shades of Bland? Bland. Blandness. Although I will say that, okay, so the first Fifty Shades of Grey book was really good. I did not care so much for the second or the third book. And I definitely 100% did not care for the movie at all because we paid good money to go see that in theaters. And you know what we ended up paying for? A good night's rest. A good nap. I actually, I think we fell asleep about 20 minutes into that thing. You definitely did. You fell asleep before me and then I woke up and I was like, oh shit, this is still happening. But you know what? I think that, the author for 50 shades of gray really spent her time on the first book and then the second and third book you know she got a little tired she let her kids write some bullshit and then that's what got published and then basically we saw the kids bullshit version in the movie yeah that's what it was i don't know what the hell i watched but that was not Mm -hmm. what was portrayed and depicted in the book and so i say shit all over that you know what it is too so the 50 shades of gray book that was her first book so that was like hot out the oven just like crispity fresh like your first pair of white nikes that comes out the box you're so excited but then Mm -hmm. the second and third book she had already gotten her coins she knew the shit was already gonna blow up she knew that people were gonna buy the second and third book no matter what she wrote so she was a little bit lackadaisical that fire that she had in her belly for the first book that was like a little lighter flame like like uh when you're lighting your cigarette no i absolutely agree because the cliffhanger she left us on in the first book i was like oh i gotta read the next one bought the next book and i read that and i was like what in the hell is going on here the writing is not the Crash. same you know what the cliffhanger she left us on in the second book i was really pissed off with the writing and the direction that the book was going in yeah but i had to find out like i am the worst person where i'm like this sucks but i need to see the ending like it's i need to bad- see we we rubberneckers we rubberneckers when it comes to traffic accidents we rubberneckers when it comes to terrible shows absolutely books my thing is just like do not get me invested in a series because you know that i'm gonna keep on watching until it's no longer a thing that's absolutely me and that's why we watch a lot of bullshit uh moving on we are also going to be discussing yvonne orgy's book titled bamboozled by jesus 
How God Tricked Me Into the Life of My Dreams. Now, this book is not out yet, but it is available for pre-order at all of your local retailers. I'm so excited that Yvonne Orji is coming out with her first book. I've been a fan of hers ever since she came onto the scene in Insecure. I even went and saw her comedy show live. She's doing great. She's representing Africa in her fullest, blackest, amazingness, you know, life. And I can't wait for this book. But I'm thinking, is it really bamboozled by God? Or are you blessed and less stressed, honey? Because God is helping you to avoid them rakes out there. Now, you know, we already told you about what a rake is from Mm -hmm. our previous episode. But you've been avoiding all these other dudes because she is notoriously known for being celibate, which I think is amazing for you to be, you know, at any age and, you know, very famous in your 30s, 20s, 40s, 50s, whatever you want to do. If you are celebrate because you are waiting for that great guy then do that you know you feel like god has a better purpose for you Mm -hmm. because there again way too many rakes out there we don't need them they don't deserve you they don't deserve us so honey you are blessed and less stressed how about that yeah and i'm very excited to read this because i have been i was following her podcast for a while and it kind of fell off after quarantine which honestly super understandable a lot of us fell off after quarantine and in the podcast she does talk a lot about how she feels that god bamboozled her into her career into her house into the relationships that she's had. And it's based on this idea that, you know, just because you want something really badly doesn't necessarily mean that that is right for you at that time. Um, And it's all based also on what we think about when you make plans, God laughs. So I'm very excited to see how that has played out, not just in her professional life, but possibly her personal life, her relationships with her family. I really can't wait for her um, her next comedy show special following this book so that she can tell us all about what Celine, her mama out of Nigeria, is now telling people. So before she was the big comedian, the big time comedian on home box office. Yes, but you know what? I think God is laughing her to the bank. Mm. He is doing well. Yeah, she run and tell laugh- that. Can he laugh me into some bank? I know. Right. Can, can you laugh us over there? Yeah. <laughs> She is prosperous. She's doing great. And you know what? Nothing is thrown at you that you can't handle. And the book is coming out this year and we cannot wait. All right. Now for our section of sad, blackity, black ass truth. Sad, blackity, black ass truth. Unfortunately, Megan and Harry are also in this section. So people are coming for Megan and her experiences. I mean, how is that so, Sally? I mean, are you really shocked? Because we're talking about, you know, Megan is a black woman. And what do people love to do? They love to minimize the experiences of black women. Mm -hmm. They love to make it seem like it's really not that big a deal because black women, women of color, were supposed to be these strong people that are able to handle anything and everything. And you knew what you were getting yourself into. So how could you possibly not know how everything else was going on around you? You ain't never lied. And what I feel like is absolute trash are the celebrities especially the white celebrities mm. like Bethany, a former New York housewife and Damn, Pierce. And we like you, Bethany. We really, we stand for you. Well, we used to stand for you. I used to stand for you. We used to stand for you, Bethany, but Bethany, along with Pierce Morgan, a 
an absolute UK asshole. So I never liked him. So he could go. These, and he did go. He gone. These white people who are trying to shit on Megan's experience as a biracial woman. How can you tell this woman how she should feel, how she should react? This is her life. This is her experience. She's These are her children. Them. These are her children. These are the people who did not accept her into a family she married into. Nobody else should be talking about an experience that they know nothing about, especially someone who's not even of the race. This is a classic white persona who's coming after a person of color and they will never understand. They will Mm -hmm. never understand the hardship she had to go through and they will never understand what she still has to face in the future. She was shamed, you know, by America at some point and by UK and by the Royals. And now they're coming for her children. This is sad on so many levels, but what I won't stand for are people who do not know and haven't lived through the POC experience to tell someone else who is of color that part. No, 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 no. That part. Say it again for the people in the back. No, no, no. We ain't doing that. Sit your ass all the way down. You know, quit. Get fired. Pierce Morgan. Bethany, shut up. You should lose most of your sponsors. You don't deserve to have a platform where you tear down other people and you talk about their POC experience. Sit your ass down. And then we also have to realize the stark differences between the way that the media specifically treated Kate Middleton Mm. and everything she went through in terms of being a part of the royal family, getting vetted, having her life exposed. And even though, you know, they really weren't 100 percent nice with her, it was nothing compared to how they treated Megan's experience. There was honestly nothing that she could do that wasn't overly criticized. She wanted avocado on her bread that was considered to have been some kind of hate crime against a shortage of water somewhere else. She held her baby bump too much. She was very, uh, you know, private about certain details that she didn't want disclosed about her relationship with Harry or even her relationship with the Royals. And honestly, I think that's really, for lack of a better term, that shit is just fucked up. It is. But you know what she could have done? There was an instance where she did the same thing that Kate Middleton did. You know, Megan was frugal and wore, you know, an outfit more than once. And then they mentioned that in a negative way. But I distinctly remember Kate doing the same thing. And she was right. for being frugal. But my issue is that it doesn't matter what Megan did. And exactly it could have been the exact same thing that Kate did. They were going to come for Megan because she is black and it doesn't matter that she is you know biracial and she can pass you know which where she has passed you know for for lighter versions and sometimes white in her career that doesn't matter they only see her as black and the fact that they wanted to know how dark her child was going to be was an absolute low I think the royals are now exposed And so even though this is a sad blackity black ass truth, I feel like the real truth is on the royals because now your whole monarchy is coming down in flames. Get ready, queen and king. You gonna be gone. And the thing with that is my biggest issue here is if you have to go so far and defend the fact that you're not a racist, um, chances are you probably are. And, you know, we see William, Prince William and Kate Middleton now going on the look at how not racist we are tour. 
Absolutely. Which is basically half of white America last year during right. the 2020 blowups of you are racist, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, moving on to a very important section of Ibion people, we're going to be talking about education and the PhD programs. And Sally, you are very close to this topic. So let us know what's going on here. Yeah, so this is a very, uh, you know, sensitive, cathartic topic, definitely for me, because we are now experiencing not just within academic institutions, but corporations and all these industries who love to talk about diversity, equity and inclusion and having more POCs, more women, more identities represented within their programs, uh, within their jobs. But a lot of it is very culturally tone deaf. And when we talk about diversity, it's not enough to just simply say, oh, hey, hi, we hired a POC or we hired a woman. We have or we have a diversity hire on staff and then not even begin to have the conversations on what that means culturally. So, for example, I am, uh, I'm an immigrant. Uh, my family, I was born in the Dominican Republic. I'm born to immigrant parents. I am a first generation college graduate. Uh, my brother, my brother and two of my siblings, three of my siblings are the first ones to actually have hold master's degrees. By the time I'm done with my PhD program, I will be the only person in my entire family to hold a doctoral degree. Wait, hold oh, on, hold on. We need a round of applause right here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I very difficult time applauding myself for that. So thanks, Bestie. Um, But at the same time, I have very difficult conversations where I need to explain to my family how even though I've been able to amass all of this education, the education that I have does not necessarily reflect the money that I have in the bank. And a lot of this has to do with the ways that we measure success in this country. And the primary way is by looking at the accumulation of material wealth which does not look the same for all people. Again, bringing back this discussion of equity versus equality. My parents did absolutely the best that they could have done. I am would never fault them for what they did. But again, you cannot compare my experience to someone else who didn't have to take out student loans, who comes from generational wealth, who knows that they have a financial support system to be able to fall back on if or when the whole, you know, them discovering themselves does not work out. So when we're looking at what equity means, I'm already at a disadvantage because I'm not coming from all of these privileged structures. So I'm trying to have to play catch up. And that then becomes extremely frustrating because while I enjoy my job, I then need to make decisions based on the financial aspect of it. And that is so not only is it frustrating, it's really demoralizing. It absolutely is. And, you know, I'm going to jump in with my experience here. You know, my two parents, they are also immigrants. My mom is from Haiti. My dad is from Jamaica. Big ups to both. So my siblings and I, we are all first generation, right? And not only first generation in America, but we are also first generation to complete college. You know, my parents, unfortunately, weren't able to do that. And I happen to be as of last year. Yes, 2020 was good for me in some ways. 
I am, you know, the first gen in my family to get my master's in my immediate Hold family. Up. Hold up. Say that again. Round of applause right there. <laughs> so although I'm excited and very happy for that, you know, it wasn't just about getting an education for me. It was about getting an education where I feel like this would really benefit me going to the right schools for the right schools. For me, I can't say if it's the right school for anyone else, but for me, my versions of right schools, they were very costly. And so the loans add up. And by the time I graduated, that didn't necessarily mean that I was going to get a job in my field. And I know that my field experience is different from Selenet's. I work in the creative field, you know, as an art director, now an art director, but, you know, having to get to that journey was very hard. Exactly. I did not get a job directly out of college, you know, from undergrad and having gotten my master's and even in my master's program, being the only person of color in my 27 person program and in undergrad, you know, getting an art degree, being the only person of color in all of my classes that were directly related to my major. So you see this time and time again in education and it's very it's very disheartening but i would say that my college experiences being that you know lone person of color also prepared me for you know my career life where i'm still one of the only or one of the few pocs representing in the creative field but i think it even goes you know a bit further when you are actually teaching and you want to see that representation amongst your staff, Sully. So how do you think they can change? Because although they talk about wanting to have more representation, having one person of color, you know, amongst the staff or that one person of color that's kind of used as the token round and around again, that does not make a representation. So speak on that, Sully. Do you think yeah. there can be change? Because I am a little disheartened and I don't think there can be change. I think there's only just going to be one of us and that's just kind of how it is. I hate to say that, but I don't really see change soon. That's a very good point that you bring up. And there is an extremely fine line and slippery slope between diversity and tokenism, where when we are considered to be the increase in the diversity within our respective industries, we are then also looked upon to be the ones to teach our colleagues, our counterparts about what that means to exist within these spaces and in our skin. And while I understand the intention behind it, it can get very exhausting. Um, for one, as an educator, I literally spend my entire life teaching other people. Why should I want to extend that within my personal life? You within your industry, you're not an educator. That's not what you signed up for. My job description, what I signed up for, my negotiation package was to be art director, not life director to teach you how to be a better person within this job. Um, please, please say it loud for people in the back because I don't think they understand. It's See, exhausting. You are, you are right about that. And the fact that you said you signed up for that, that is literally in your job description. That is what you do. But when you clock out and those kids are like, bye, you know, you sign on a Zoom, you leave the classroom, whatever it may be in that situation, you are saying, I'm done. I'm not teaching any more people. Right. But for me, it's kind of like, and you know, I mentioned this in my master's thesis where I was pretty much like, I am tired of explaining. Mm -hmm. to anyone, you know, what being a black person in America is like, and I shouldn't have to, and I'm not going to do that. What do, what do I look like? And then oh. the other thing too, is that specifically as women of color, 
we are now having to face this additional layer of needing to overthink the ways that we react to certain situations, the way that we respond to not just situations that are uncomfortable, but right outright disrespectful, because when we try to bring attention to those issues, guess what they call us? Aggressive, aggressive angry and you know what sometimes i am i am angry because you made me that way because but it's exhausting you, don't you dare call me aggressive because that's that's where we're not about to go so exactly. it's like you have to double check and backtrack and think in your mind like wait a minute you know did that comment come off wrong is you know Am I sending this email in the right tone of voice? Oh, do not get me started on the emails and the mm. passive aggressiveness that goes on within mm. that virtual communication. Because th- the truth is, is that there's a lot that gets lost in translation when we're communicating through text, when we're communicating virtually. But what you're not about to do is CC Mary John Joseph and the three, the the all, the whole Magi on this email for something that has to do with an issue between you and me. Yeah, that's what I don't like. And I hate, I hate it. Those are always the coworkers to watch out for because they're Ugh. the ones who they're not gunning for your job. They just want you fired. It's just clear facts. And so, you know, regardless whether I'm on Teams or on Slack, you know, whatever your job uses, currently I'm using Teams. It's like when we are having a one-on-one conversation about something and then suddenly there's a new chat that pops up with someone else on there. They happen to be like oversight for some reason. I'm like, oh, okay, I see, I see what you're doing here. Or you know what really irks me or really pisses me off is what? seeing that you read my comments. See, on Teams, you can see that you read it and then you don't respond. And then I'm in a group message with you and then you're right, responding so now, there. So you then, won't act like I'm not here. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. So we're doing that today. Okay. And the thing also that is so like, it is just so frustrating. I don't know if you experience this because I'm a little bit shorter than you, but you know, when you're a POC, that black don't crack, that brown don't frown. So we very rarely look our age. And I have been in so many situations where, because, you know, I look like I am a student. I do not at all look like a faculty member. And it's very easy for me to be able to blend with the student body. However, if... I am sitting in my office with my name on the door, my very Hispanic ethnic name and my very Hispanic and ethnic self is sitting in my office. Who are you to question me about whether or not I belong in that physical space? See, and that's an issue with, you know, whoever is asking you, but my whole thing is, You have every right to dress how you want to dress, whether you want to dress down or that's just how you feel comfortable. Don't let anyone ever come. Don't let anyone come for you on how you dress. Me personally, I like to dress in various different ways. I like to go, you know, swanky, throw the heels on all this stuff. But that's me. But even if I wanted to dress down, you know, and and look younger, that is something that I personally want to do. But what we're not about to do is question someone in their own office. No, no, no. Negativo. Yeah. And then to bring it back to something that you said that I think is very important is recognizing how in this country or in our society, we enforce this idea of how education is treated as a commodity. You go to school, you get good grades so that you are able to get a good job so that you can make a lot of money. Right. Here's the thing that they don't ever tell you is that when you come out of school, very rarely are you going to have a job in the industry for the degree that you just busted your little patootie 
to be able to get to that degree. And God knows how many jobs you had to work to be able to pay for that degree. Because they will hold up your diploma if you do not pay your if you do not pay your tuition. Oh, honey, I don't even get me started on that. Because especially in the art field, you know, trying to get into my field after having mm-hmm. an expensive undergraduate degree, where being an undergraduate student, at one time I had three jobs, okay? I was always working. And I made sure I needed time to work, have enough time to sleep, have enough time to party, have enough time to get all my work done and go to class and do all the things and have a great college experience. And at one point I was even, you know, a student athlete. But that's just all running through how strong black women are and and women of color are always trying to get everything done because we have to. There is no other way. But, you know, when you enter in the world of whatever your career is, I really hate when I have to, you know, tell myself or ask myself, how black do I have to get today? Because Mm. This motherfucker to the left or to the right or this bitch in front of me on the back of me. If you get on my nerves again, if you try that bullshit, if you blind CC someone, ooh, we got to get it. And that's why I don't miss writing the MTA because that's when all the Dominican, Brooklyn ancestors, mommy, poppy, cousins, primos, everybody used to come out. Do not try me at six o'clock in the morning when I'm trying to get my train nap in because I just got off of get of working a restaurant shift, getting home at 3.30 in the morning to only sleep for like 45 minutes to be able to get on so that I could do my day job in the morning and pretend like I know what I'm talking about up here in these education streets. And you know what? That's all while you're trying to become a whole doctor, working like multiple jobs. But you know what? In the end, we're all going to prevail because we always do. Women of color know how to get shit done. That's what we've Mm -hmm. done from the beginning of time. And that's what we that's how we strive. So So, really, we just want all of y'all to be able to extend some grace if that's great that you know all these industries want to have diversity equity and inclusion but do the actual work so that it's not just performative and you are actually including the people of color that you claim to care about and it's not just about you getting that five percent bump on that government contract and that's the sad blackity black ass truth so whose black card are we revoking today Tell us. Your black card revoked. All right. So we have two former ex-husbands of the ATL Housewives. We use that term very loosely, by the way. Mm, Loosely, yes. We have Apollo and we have Peter, also known as Uncle Ben. (laughs) The two of these fools are teaming up to flip houses. Now, something about this just doesn't sit right because these two are less than smart. For getting into business with each other. These are two people who have both had very serious issues with money in the past. And they are now trusting in each other to start a business fully based on money. I mean, one of them, Apollo even, went to jail, I believe more than once, for money fraudulent activity issues. And I'm not saying that someone who has you know, come out of jail and trying to start a new path can't be trusted. But for me, these two getting into business together, that just don't make sense. What do you think, Sally? 
Now, my thing is like, I'm the first one to say that I believe in second chances. I believe in people being able to turn themselves around. I 100% recognize and acknowledge the bullshit that is the American criminal justice system. Recidivism is real and it disproportionately affects people of color, especially black men. However, here is my problem. Apollo, while he was serving his first sentence, he met his now ex-wife, who was also his lawyer, and she was a public figure out in these Atlanta streets, part of the housewives. Phaedra Parks. Yes, uh, Faye Faye. And even while she was a whole attorney, amongst other things, you know, she's out here decorating funerals and whatnot. uh, She is also a public figure. Aside from the fact that she represented Bobby Brown, I think that was her only case really in real life. It was her only notable client that we know. Yes. She was on Atlanta Housewives, which put her on a public platform. And while she was on Atlanta Housewives, her then husband, Apollo, was also on the same public platform. And they had a slew of all these other businesses. They made that donkey booty workout video, which honestly made no sense but it's still it's a public platform right so if your life is on tv for the world to be able to consume at any given time why would you think that that is the smartest idea for you to then be involved in more felonious fraudulent activity which landed him into his second federal prison sentence which is he's out now right he's definitely out now Okay. So there was basically a video on social media showing Peter and Apollo talking to each other. Social distance, which I'm you know, happy about because Georgia has not been really following at all uh, ever <laughs> following the social distance, you know, rules. Stacey Abrams understands what social distancing means, basically. But um, so Apollo is out. And I do want to recognize that, you know, Peter has had successful businesses with his bar one in multiple states. So that's that's doing well. Really? And Apollo tried to do, you know, the donkey booty video that never really took off. So they can have a successful business together. I just think that the two of them together working together, both having serious money issues. Not smart. Yeah, that shit don't make any kind of sense to me because they both lie to their spouses about whatever financial difficulties hurdles they were going through and how terrible the business is i mean one went more terrible than the other because at least uncle ben ain't seen no jail time um, yes but you know what on the flip side let me play devil's advocate this can work for them if they keep that bros over hoes situation they i could, hope so they could be straight up with each other and be like yo this is legit we're, and you know what Peter even said, Peter slash Uncle Ben even said in this social media clip that like they're legit. And he had to mention that since, you know, they've had some issues with money in the past. So I hope this goes well. But while thinking about this, you know, possible junction with Apollo and Peter, I started to think of a little situation and I'm going to need Bravo to get on. uh, I'm going to need Bravo to get on point with this. So I'm thinking this could be a reality show of ex-housewife husbands looking for love. Mm. Now, let's put this out here into the hemisphere. And we hope that you would watch. But I really want the show to come to fruition. So I'm thinking from ATL, right? We can have Phaedra's ex-Apollo, Cynthia's ex-Peter slash Uncle Ben, Kenya's exes, her ex-husband Mark Daly, and her ex-boyfriend Crybaby ass Matt, 
And see, Mark Daly is apparently trying to shop around for a reality show where he does try to find love. Sway, so, because mm-hmm. he claimed that he didn't like to be on camera and have his life all exposed like that for the socials. He claimed that, but I think he didn't like being on camera with Kenya. Can't blame so, him. She's toxic. So if we have this ATL exes, then we move on to New York. We can have Ramona's ex, Mario. We mm. can Bethany's toxic ex, Jason. Girl, you are just trying to create like the messiest melting pot show of all time. And oh, this is why I know Andy would sign on for this shit. Oh, we need the messy, messy. It's going to be a little bit of Big Brother, a little bit of, you know, Bad Girls Club, a little bit of the challenge. Yeah, it's about to get real messy. But from New York, we also going to have for the younger, you know, people, younger viewers, we're going to have Carol's ex, that young, sexy chef, Adam. And then moving on to Beverly Hills. He was very tasty to look at. And I am not just talking about the dishes he was whipping up. (laughs) Moving on to Beverly Hills, we're going to have Erica Jane's soon-to-be very loaded rich ex, Tom. Are you sure about that? Because I'm pretty sure that he's about to have no money. Well, it doesn't matter as long as he has, you know, we. this is all for show. It's going to bring in the viewers. I'm going to be watching. You know what? He's going to need the show because he's going to have to bring in the check. Exactly. He's going to need some money, right? You're right. You're right. You're right. From Potomac. We're going to have Giselle's current slash X. It depends on which day of the week we're talking about. But it depends is, on what phone plan she got that week. That's nasty Pastor Jamal or Pastor Dick, as we like to call. Mm, just, um, so in addition to COVID tests, I'm assuming that we are going to ask Andy to require STD screening for this TV show. Because this is a long list of just nasty, nasty, nastiness. Nasty messy, yes. They're definitely gonna have to take all the tests. Now the nasty mess. Now from New Jersey, we're gonna have Dolores's ex Frank. From Salt Lake City, we're gonna have Heather's ex. Although he's kind of boring, but you know, we need the breath of everybody. We need exciting, we need messy, we need boring. He fits in that category. I mean, he's tall. There's that. He got that working for him. Yeah, but tall does not work for everyone. It doesn't work for him, but we'll throw him in the mix. And just for fun, we're going to throw in, you know, very canceled Miami. We're going to throw in Larsa Pippen's ex, Scotty Pippen. I mean, now you just got me up for that (laughs) because I'm trying to get me some ball of money. There you go. And now just to make the show extra messy, right? You know what we're going to do? We're going to throw in some of the older sons in there. So we're going to have Sheree's son, Cairo, who is over the age of 21. And it is perfectly legal for me to say, <sighs> sign me up. He's sexy. So you're going to be trying to date his sons and fathers. Are you doing I mean, I'm at that age where I could date the son and the daddy. Okay. You know, that works. We're going to have to sign you up as a contestant then. All First right. of all, Lori Harvey, if Lori Harvey can do it, I can do it. What's the difference between me and Lori Harvey? You're right. If Lori could date a son and a dad, hey, now, I guess you could do it. For New Jersey, we're going to have Dolores' son, Frankie, right? Ooh, you know what? And I will say that what I like about Frankie the most is that not only is he a hot, hot beefcake, like the Puerto Rican princess, Jesseline would say he got that beefcake. He is also very smart because from what I have seen, he is in college. He's studying for his some tests that sounds really hard but he he seems to be really doing his thing and he he can put words together 
I see your bar is set very low. Okay. And it's a standard. Point, it's called meeting minimum standards. All right. Your standards are at your, you know, your level. They're at minimum. From Potomac, we're going to throw in, you know, Black Karen's son. Just to make it extra, extra messy. Because, you know, Bravo, if they're anything, they're all types of messy in all their shows. So to throw in that extra Bravo mess, we're going to say for fun, fun, fun. Let's throw in Bolo and his thing. But Bolo and his thing are going to be two different people. They're going to be two different cast members. Yep, it's going to be Bolo and then his dangalang. His, not his dangalang, his dangalang. His dangalang. So in the confessionals, we're going to need a seat for Bolo and a seat for his thing. I'm here for that. So in my opinion, I feel that we could actually just do a show with just Bolo and his thing featuring Bolo, his thing and Sally. Just that. Like That's that. the show. I like that. So basically, Sally, you said you would not only watch this show, you would be a contestant on the show. Let me know. What, what do you think we would call the show? I'm thinking the real hubbies and sunnies looking for lovies. What do you think? No? Yes? No? I like it. The real husbands and sons looking for love. I'm telling you, bravo. Sign us up as producers, you know. EPs, EPs. I need that EP money because as we previously mentioned, it's hard out here in these streets for women of color trying to make it after you got to pay for all these student loans. It's hard out here for educated women of color. Sign us up for this. We could get it all together. You could get the legalities. Yes. And, and also selling that would be making extra money as a contestant with all these fine yes. men. Yes, okay. yes. You can you can hit up my manager at Treva the Diva. She get twenty percent. All right, there you go. So you we got that standard five percent. It be your own people in a positive way. I I keep my girl straight. There you go. That's that's how it works. That's how real love is. So we have love for the youngins, the mid age, and the old, the grandpas, and the you know, thangs, on, and, the, and the thang thangs, and the thang thangs. I'm thinking it's a show that needs to come together. So Bravo, hit I us up. You know, so in addition to this show, I think we should have a whole separate show that's called like, you know, you know how they have like love after lockup. Maybe they should do love after lickety split strippers. No. Okay. That's, that's going to have to be a private section recorded on your phone only for your All right, you know what? You know what? I'm gonna call Portia. Uh, I know she gonna, she gonna sign up for that one. And now on to our next section. So first we gave you what to read. Now we're giving you what to watch with the watch of the month. Again, bitch, you're welcome for all of the inclusive movies and films and TV that you need to watch right now. Check this out. The first one that we cannot absolutely not talk about is Coming to America, the sequel to Coming to America from 1988. Let's talk about that. Listen, I tell you, my whole life was gathered just hearing, I think almost a year and a half ago, that Coming to America was coming back again. Yes! That is literally, hands down, one of not just my favorite movies of my lifetime, but so many other people. Mm -hmm. So just seeing a reunion of the original cast, they literally brought back everyone who was still alive. Yep. Into this movie. And it was amazing. So the main cast consisted of Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, Sherry Headley, and they even brought in some newcomers as the main cast, Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan. I also really enjoyed newcomers like Jermaine Fowler, who played Eddie Murphy's son, LaBelle, in the movie. And just a lot of breath, 
taking fresh new people. I Black mean, excellent. I laughed. It was the first time I genuinely enjoyed, you know, Leslie Jones. No, no offense to Leslie Jones. I do like her, but sometimes I think she's extra. And in this movie, she was just what we needed to bring the funny. And I like the storyline. I like the plot. We saw a lot of nods to beautiful Africa and the amazing Black experience. We also saw entrepreneurship at its finest with McDowell's, not to be confused with McDonald's, but um, we saw everything that was just perfectly funny. We also saw a billion cameos. I mean, from Matumbo to Michael Blackson, Wesley Snipe and his whole, you know, his whole streaming down, his mm-hmm. perfect different hairstyles. We saw some Pepper, Gladys Knight and Vogue, Rick Ross. And they even filmed most of the movie in Rick Ross's house. We saw Road to Me and we saw Trevor Noah with what, Sally? ZNN, Zamunda News Network. He was like spot on. He, he did that shit. And then we that. cannot forget about Tiana Taylor's body, yaddy, 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 yaddy. Tiana Taylor just puts us all to shame. And I know she's just being her amazing self. She is an awesome entertainer from singing to dancing to acting. But that body, that's just not okay. You are it's just not okay. killing them. You are killing them. Like you are making us all look bad out here just being so perfect. I mean, her like, body I'm looks. I'm telling you, well, I would give my kidney, my liver, my left leg because that's the longer leg. But for anything to have half of what Tiana Taylor has, like she looks so good. It's like she walks into a room, she gets in the frame, and that's all you see. They can put her in a paper bag, and she'd be rocking that shit. Absolutely, and you know what? She has a natural body that money can't buy. To all of you people out there. Uh, yeah. So for all of you bitches trying to go to Brazil and Colombia and Chile and all this other shit, trying to get your body done four times, just just give it up. Just give it up. Stop you asking your doctor for the Tiana Taylor body because Tiana Taylor can't even ask for the Tiana Taylor body. That body was brought down by God himself. By God. Yes. Talk about bamboozle and, by God. And what I really did enjoy in the movie was bringing up, you know, women's issues in Africa and how they want women to have more, you know, entrepreneurship and businesses. I really did enjoy that. I enjoyed the clothing again, the fresh breath of African just love, right. For black people, black skin and our body types and shapes. I loved it all. It was basically like another, it was another Wakanda and I hate to like bring it up, but it was just so, it made me so happy. You know, it was like an extension It was just just really great to see, again, all the vibrancy, all of the positive imagery, not just in terms of being able to see actual people of color on screen and not have it be some tokenism bullshit, but also just, you know, body positive imagery as well. We saw real people, real women's bodies. You know, we were able to bring back to all that classic culture. Um, But what I will say is that what I'm going to need is for the public and the social media to take 10 steps back and off these bandwagoners wanting to shit on the Coming to America sequel. The sequel is never going to be as great or better than the original. That's hands down. But not every movie can be the Godfather part two. Exactly. But what we're here for is the reuniting of all these original great black people nearly 
like more than 30 years later and they still look even better. I won't say even better, but they still look really They're good. I mean, that's true. Black don't crack, but also they are, they're just doing the damn thing. And we got to give them their props for that. But also what I really love is seeing Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall doing their, you know, dual, triple different roles, quadruple, quadruple different roles as so many different characters. I love to see it. You know, it's the barbershop scene for me. Always, always hands down. They, they do a really great job playing other characters and I just think it was all around claps it was really good to see this come back after so many years it was something I never thought would happen and it made me happy and I wasn't comparing it to the original it's just like listen this is what it is and it was good exactly exactly stop going into this trying to look at where how this measures up to the first movie moving on now to what to watch it is March. So what that means is that in addition to celebrating all things women, we are also celebrating all things Notorious B.I.G. Yes, the Netflix Biggie documentary um, just about 24 years after his death came out this March. And, you know, while watching it, it just really brought back that greatness of how much Biggie meant to the people around him, to Brooklyn. And, you know, me and Sally, we Brooklyn all the way. There you go. There you go. Mm -hmm. So while hailing all of that, you get to see the people that directly, you know, worked with him. One of his boys even recorded videos all the time from back in the day. So we got to see those original clips. We got to see, you know, Junior Mafia speak about him. Puffy speak about him. Obviously his mother and even his grandmother in Jamaica, who's in her late 90s, in her mid late 90s. Just to see his mother and grandmother, you know, succeed him in life. You know, it's sad. But at the same time, he still has those great women to talk about his life and his story. So to see that all come into fruition and know that he has two kids who are grown and know just how important their father was to the entertainment world, to music and to Brooklyn as a whole. It was a really great job. Well done. Now, I haven't seen it yet. I'm waiting until the weekend where I can have a little bit more, uh, I would say me time, but what does that mean in this whole panda bear that we're living in? Uh, But I am looking forward to watching that just because I'm very interested in seeing the, the perspectives from his mom, his grandmother. And from what I've heard, I've heard a lot of really good reviews about this, especially because I it, from what people have said, it shows the real Biggie beyond, you know, the whole uh, the whole beef between him and Tupac and beyond the whole hip hop aspect. But really not just looking at Biggie, but Christopher. And that's what I want to see. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing about that is they really showed you know, his mother's perspective on his music. And she actually mentioned that she never listened to his music in its entirety until he passed. I mean, I believe it. And mainly because he told her, you should be listening to my music. And, you know, I don't, I don't fault her for that. And I'm just glad that she got to experience his work and everyone else in the world will still hail him as one of the the kings of Brooklyn. Yeah. And to that, whenever you get a chance, Take a look at that Netflix Biggie documentary. And moving mm-hmm. on to another Netflix uh, show called Ginny and Georgia. Um, first of all, 
because of the name of the podcast that it it be your own people tree put me onto this show on what i want to say was a sunday afternoon my ass didn't go to sleep until monday at like 5 a.m because i just had to watch the whole scene i could not stop watching the show it was definitely binge worthy. And just to give some backstory, you know, Georgia is a young 30, 31 year old mother who is Caucasian and she has a biracial daughter and a white son. And her biracial daughter is 16, 15 or 16. She's a teenager. Yeah. And they're growing up in a space where this, you know, biracial teenager named Virginia, also nicknamed Jenny is usually the only or just few POC where she goes to school and lives and they've moved around a lot. So as she tries to navigate, you know, being a teenager, they go through a lot of different things. And we see how, you know, being a black person or biracial person, being a person of color in the midst of a lot of, you know, white people, them not knowing how to understand you. For instance, there's a scene where they're at a party and a woman is styling the Oh my the God, young girl's cool. hair, right? All of the different girls' hair just to kind of go in with the, the style of and the theme of the party. And this woman, this white woman brushes biracial Jenny's hair and kind of messes up her curls. The, I don't know if the brush kind of gets stuck in it, but she feels embarrassed because her hair is messed up. Yeah, her friends point it out it, to but her. But it just, it brushed it out. So for those of you who understand what it means to brush out ethnic hair after it has already dried out is it poofs and it looks a little bit Albert Einstein-y, especially if you are not using the proper tools, if you're not using the proper uh, the proper products. So of course, Jenny ends up looking a little bit frazzled compared to her not POC friends because they were trying to do these uh, high straight hair ponies that she obviously couldn't do with the style that she had on at that moment. And let me tell you, the minute this woman took the brush and was raking it through this pearl girl's hair, not raking it. (laughs) I was just like, girl, there are zero cultural. Oh, although I guess the point of that scene was to show just how different she was compared to her friends, but it was, it was jarring and a little bit traumatizing to watch. It was. And I think I think the show did a really great job showing biracial people that aren't really shown, I would say, in a lot of sitcoms, just a biracial experience in this true essence of how, you know, awkward you feel in certain places simply because there's no one else like you around to really like get an idea as to how to feel. Mm -hmm. So I like that they pushed the boundaries and they really went there with making us feel uncomfortable, but showing how she was embarrassed for just being herself. She shouldn't have felt embarrassed, but that's an easy way to feel when you don't know what to do and you're put in this situation. But we also need to bring up little Taylor Swift over here who wants to be sensitive. She's annoying. Basically, Jenny and Georgia, this daughter was talking to her mom and kind of mentioned that her mom is like Taylor Swift and goes through boyfriends, basically goes through boyfriends, you know, faster than Taylor Swift. Now, this was like a quick one sentence joke, nothing big to get offended over. However, Taylor Swift felt the need to, you know, go on her socials and mention Netflix and Jenny and Georgia and say that Netflix and the show doesn't support women and they're kind of like attacking her and Mm, really no no that's like if someone were to ask me to describe a macintosh apple which everyone knows is red and i would say hey it's a red apple i'm simply describing what it is and 
this was such an innocuous joke that honestly, I forgot all about it because I asked you, I don't understand what the connection is between Taylor Swift and Ginny and Georgia. Like, girl, we all know that, you know, you dated a lot of men. It's not like they said, oh, you're such a dirty whore because you dated all these men just like Taylor Swift. Like, girl, you date men, they break up with you and then you write a song about them. Yeah, I think Taylor Swift definitely was in her feelings that day. And she was in something. She decided to go off and, and, you know, have her fans go against this show and Netflix. But I really feel like, listen, this is a nod to you, girl. Taylor, you are a hot, young, successful woman. You've dated a lot of men. And guess what? There's nothing wrong with that. No one faulted you for that. No one is saying that you are a whore. This is a positive. You are po- you are positively shown in the world from your own view. You date a lot. And you move on. It's not exactly. the wrong Exactly. You like you should be happy that people are talking about you within this whole uh within this whole pill bag that we're living in called the pandemic because you are still relevant. Now, what I will say is that instead of you coming for Netflix for using your name as quote unquote not supporting you, what we need to be doing is coming for Netflix for not having a cultural consultant. Because there was one scene where I was really pissed off because Ginny ends up straightening her hair and she wakes up one morning, goes to bed with her hair straight. She wakes up the next day. Her edges are still laid after she got drunk. She lays in her bed. What I'm assuming is tossing and turning because we all know that when that drunk sleep is not, oh, I'm just going to pass out here and then I'm going to wake up with my edges perfectly the way they were the night before. She didn't have her hair wrapped. She didn't put no oil in that. She didn't have a silk scarf. I know she was not sleeping on a silk pillowcase. I feel you, Celia. So basically what we're taking from this is that Selenette wants to be a writer and director on season two of Ginny and Georgia. Let's make that happen, Netflix. Get me my bag, friends. Get me my bag. And that brings us to our last and final section with celebrity news and reality TV roundup. Reality roundup. For this edition, we are looking at this in terms of friend, foes, or frenemies. Want to know the difference between fun shade, palm trees of shade, and plain old judgy backstabbing? Tree, mm-hmm. let's get us started on MTV's The Challenge, one of my absolute favorites. Mm. Let's get into The Challenge. Now, one of my OGs, CT, how dare you? <sighs> CT is definitely a frenemy in this. And you know what? Karma's going to come to you, CT, because you played the hell out of Big T. Big T was your only friend throughout the entire game. Actually, being her partner helped you stay as long as you did. She helped get all the other people in the house on your side. And then when you won your gold skull, you completely left her out to dry. You went over to, to kill a cam and I love kill a cam, but you did big T dirty. And we're not saying that you shouldn't try to improve your own game. Cause at the end of the day, everyone wants to make it to the final and they want to have the strongest partner to win money. That is the whole game. We understand that. So switching partners is totally fair and allowed, but the way you did it, was shady you boosted yourself you jumped up and down you said cam 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 i wanted you since day one even though you rejected killer cam day one so the way you did big t that's a whole hell no ct i am on your side every time even when you trash talk like everybody when you dragged adam i'm always on your side but for this nah bro you wrong i can't get behind you on that 
Because, like, while we understand the reasons behind why you did it, it's not why you did it. It's the how you went about it that was really gross, super inconsiderate. And this is one of those situations where you got to deal with a bitch that's way worse than Karen. You're going to have to deal with your karma because how you got them is how you're going to lose them, honey. Absolutely. So while CT made Big T his frenemy, he also made a foe out of Kyle and he has no friends left. Mm. Everybody going to be coming for that ass. Yeah, no, he ain't got no friends left because that was just gross. It was like big bully, just nasty toddler behavior. And honestly, I love CT. He's one of my favorite ones, but I don't know if I can support him beyond this. He was low that he's better than that. And so I'm, I'm not on CT side. I'm done with him this season. Next season, I'm sure I'll be back good again. Yeah, but um, let's so- talk about Corey. Corey is in a land of his own because he is literally. Lord. He's literally the kiss of death. Oh, literally. my God. Literally. So every single female partner that Corey has been paired up with this season, every single partner has gone home has either been eliminated has had to go home because of family reasons has fallen off of the side of a cliff has gone swimming into into a volcano obviously i'm exaggerating but the point is is that he's gone through how many partners now 10 9 5 or 6 but it feels like 10 20 so my thing is Corey used to be known for you know hooking up with everybody right everybody but now he can't because he's a whole you know He's he's a he's a man in a relationship. He just had another child with his girlfriend who we cannot name because she's a whole racist and MTV canceled her. I know so, so the fact gonna... that he's still with her is problematic in and of itself because he is a, a black male. So we ain't going to talk about his racist current girlfriend. But what we will talk about is ever since Corey stopped hooking up and started being a faithful man, he suddenly just became a terrible partner because everybody who has teamed up with him has gone home. So Corey, you need to figure that out. Your karma is also off, honey. Well, you can't say that he's a terrible partner because he is actually trying in the challenges. It's just I think this is all of like a compound of again that bitch that's worse than Karen, that bitch karma coming to get him but it's not actually getting him. It's getting his partners as collateral damage, which is not fair. You're right. You're right. So I won't say, I, okay, I would say the people that are connected to Corey, because one thing that happened last season was where his bestie Nelson went in an elimination instead of Corey and got his ass at home. And in this season, Nelson still got the short end of the stick and ended up going home up home so i would say that's why he can go home because he doesn't perform he can barely read he doesn't write he doesn't know how to solve a puzzle he doesn't know what two plus two is so what is he really contributing other than instigating fights that make no sense but what i will say is that anyone connected to Corey definitely has a short end of the stick Mm. and Corey also wanted to be extra messy he was bringing in some tea in one of the past episodes talking about Fessy and how Fessy likes Gabby but he also likes Tori and Tori is a whole engaged woman or should I say was engaged she was engaged at the time at the time so basically while they were filming this Corey spilled some tea and said that Tori and Jordan were not doing so well and that Fessy 
should go ahead and continue to pursue liking Tori, even though he was not acting on those feelings. And now, months later, while we are watching the challenge, we already know that Tori and Jordan have broken up. And I, I can't say that we're not excited about that because Jordan is a real asshole. Yeah, he was mean and rude and nasty and extremely manipulative. And I will say that after the tea was spilled by Corey, because he clearly can't hold water. He also has to be a a messy, a messy Melinda. um, I went on the Twitter and I was looking up several different tweets. And apparently Tori likes to clear the air. And she said, while I understand how editing makes it look, Jordan and I did not break up because of this. I never cheated on him, even though she does have a history of cheating and on the show and on TV and on the challenge. Because, again, how you got him is how you lose him. Um, but she did say that there were certain several, you know, small things here and there that made them realize they weren't compatible. I mean, we've been watching them across several seasons and we could have told y'all y'all weren't compatible. A blind person could have seen that. Stevie Wonder could have sang it to you. Helen Keller could have seen that shit. Absolutely, girl. But you know what? I will say that Tori deserves better. So I'm excited for whoever she chooses to get with. Yes. And I hope that she can, you know, actually win a challenge because she's a badass. She She is a badass. I love to see her perform and I can't wait to see her on another season. And now let's talk about friends, foes or frenemies with the Lifetime show Married at First Sight. Mm, tree i am not as caught up on married at first sight i was watching it the other night and i fell asleep Mm. but i know that chris and Paige are definitely like the hottie hottie hot hot mess i remember that so why don't you fill us in on that you probably fell asleep because you are so tired of the bullshit that is chris and Paige. you know what that's probably it That's what it is. So basically, obviously, the title of the show is exactly what it is. You do not meet your partner until you are at the altar. Which is a big note for me from the start. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. And apparently, I'm told that in previous seasons of the show, because I just started watching this current show. But in previous seasons, I'm told that they get the matches right. So professionals, you know, they talk to people, they find out what they like, what they dislike, and they match you with a partner who they really feel like works for you. And that will work the best for you, right? To, to make a last longing marriage. And after six weeks of being married at first sight, you decide whether you want to divorce or continue on with the marriage, which is great. And it has been successful for a few couples in the past couple of seasons. But with Chris and Paige, Chris is manipulative. He is a liar. He is immature. And from the first episode, he is a completely different person from who he presented himself to be and who I'm sure he presented the producers and the professionals to be from who he actually is. He basically said he was not attracted to Paige the minute they got married and he told her this. However, they still slept together every single day that they were quote unquote married. He then dropped a bomb on her saying that his ex-fiance that he just broke up with weeks before, I wouldn't say weeks and months before, was then pregnant and how he wanted to continue on with his ex-fiance and not his current wife. What? Oh, dang. I need to go back and start watching. Girl, you need to start watching because this is good, good. Oh, and, I don't, and what I do enjoy is that Chris and Paige are very, you know, religious and they're into 
you know, God and they're into the Lord. That's amazing. But what I'm going to need Paige is to stop being stupid. She keeps using God and using her religion to say, you know what, this is my husband and I'm going to let God, you know, stray me in the right direction. Honey, this is not God doing this to you. That's the devil. The devil's putting all this shit at you and you are taking the bait because Paige decides to try and stay with him. And then it is Chris that says, no wife who I've been married to for four or five days. I want to continue on with my ex-fiance who's now about six weeks pregnant with my baby, meaning that when he found out he was going to be on the show before they started filming, he was still sleeping with his ex-fiance. Right. Then he then decides to bring his ex-fiance on the show to speak with his current estranged wife, Paige. Stop it. They sit face to face and talk to each other. And you know, as black women, we are stronger than the shit that these trash ass men, these trash ass rakes, put us through so you have Paige talking positively and nicely to his ex-fiance they are having a great conversation and they both agree that they no longer want Chris Chris is now upset that both of these women are not fighting over him instead they are positively talking and he doesn't like that they're getting along so I think wait 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 hold up so he brought them together in the hopes that his estranged wife and his pregnant ex slash current fiance Mm -hmm. would fight over him that's exactly how he responded that is some toxic ass male bullshit he is bull and mind you the show pays for a honeymoon the couples went on a honeymoon the honeymoon is where he dropped the bomb to Paige that the ex fiance was pregnant that's how he found out So now leaving the honeymoon and heading back to Atlanta where the show, you know, it's taped where they are all from. Instead, Chris decides to not go to Atlanta. This would happen in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Chris decides to not go to Atlanta. He decides to go to Chicago where his ex-fiance is, which means he probably got another extra hit in. But anyways, once he comes back from that honeymoon, He returns to Paige and tells her he's not going to stay in the apartment that the show pays for where they're supposed to be living together. He is going to leave. He's going to continue on with his ex-fiance. And now it's just been weeks of this back and forth BS. And then on a recent episode, Paige and Chris decides they want to try to start over from scratch and work it out. How does this make sense? And you know what? Paige even told the ex-fiance at one point, she thought she might be pregnant for Chris because they were sleeping together every single night, all raw dog, while they were married, which is all of what, what, four or five days. I mean, I understand that you, you are married, yes, legally through the show. But if you're still learning this person, and getting to know him, you ain't have to sleep in him, honey, especially after he told you he was not attracted to you. You're, not, mean, his, you're not his usual type. I mean, Paige is out here looking He's making Paige look all types of stupid. And I'm going to need Paige to have more, you know, just common sense for herself, more self-respect because this man, and especially with no condom, like clearly girl, we already know that he was out here sleeping with somebody else. You need to worry about your health. Absolutely. So this show has been the best new messiest, Ooh. you know, show that's come about and i am all here for it but i really need Paige to just do better for herself you don't deserve this fool he is absolute trash he is the epitome of a rake and you don't need that 
Okay, you know what? I'm going to start watching for real then. Uh, I, I got to get back into this because clearly I did not make it far enough in to the point where it kept me up all night long. It's exhausting. And each episode is two hours. But I will say that all the drama from their stupidity is worth it. All right, I'll put that on the list for this weekend. And moving right along, we are going to be friend, foes, or frenemies with BET and Tyler Perry's sisters. Now, we are, you know, to pivot just one last time back to Meghan Markle and former Prince Harry. We, you know, we will wholeheartedly admit that we love to drag Tyler Perry because his his show writing skills don't always make the most sense but we do have to give him some claps and snaps for per, for offering to protect Meghan markle harry and the babies and providing security when the royal family aka the firm said you know what girl we're not gonna give you baby security because we all worried about how dark he gonna be and he shouldn't even be a prince anyway so thanks tyler perry for protecting the markles uh, as I will be referring to the whole family conglomerate. But to bring this back to friend, foe, or enemy, so Tyler Perry's sisters on BET. While you're caring for a Black woman in real life and her family, you're not really doing that in your TV shows, especially with sisters. This show is just like, this is like a 10-car pileup on the i 90 you know you have a clear passage to be able to go through, but you can't just help but keep looking. And every single week, just when I can't think that the show can't get any worse, guess what? It absolutely does. No, you're right. It absolutely does. It's like a terrible car crash that I can't stop looking at. I mean, it's it pulls me in every week. And although I'm mad each and every week when it ends, I'm like, this is some BS. She can't be that dumb. What the hell is going on? Like, legitimately, these are the phrases that I say every single episode. But Tyler Perry is doing something right because I keep coming back each and every week. And I'm like, girl, did you see this episode? That's some bullshit. No, for real. And then in this last episode, one of the biggest bullshitty ass bullshitty things that happen is that this girl gets an engagement ring from a guy that she really shouldn't even be talking to because he all he's all kind of toxic uh, and, you know, not just like emotionally, but physically as well. And he gives her this engagement ring and it turns out to be a forever diamond that when you put the ring on, it tightens around your finger ever so slightly that you can't get it off past your knuckle. And the only way for you to be able to take the ring off is through the ring key, which is actually the groom's ring, which makes absolutely no fucking sense. So you're telling me that I can't get off an engagement ring unless I use the groom's ring. But the man doesn't wear an engagement ring. That's that's number one. Number two, what the fuck is a forever diamond? Diamonds are made already from compressed carbon. They are already forever. Do you not listen to Kanye West? diamonds are forever sierra leone and all that other bullshit yes when i saw that part i was like i'm done can i can i sleep now because I mean, you know, was, you know we kept stupid. watching <laughs> of course i kept watching but that was like a whole new this is low but you know i'm gonna be back next week damn it tyler perry i know i mean thank you for protecting the markles but also can you like write something into your show that actually makes some fucking sense yeah, I'm going to need you to portray, portray black women better because 
what you're doing now is it, not it. I, I really do believe that Tyler Perry thinks black women are just that gullible, that stupid. Like, why, why do you have these characters acting in such a way? Mm-mm. Exactly. It's like, we are not this dumb when it comes to dating. Like, okay, once or twice, but all four of them all the time just going through the same cycle over and over and over again. It's a tired narrative. Come on, come up with something better. But you know what? The best female character, I would say, is Andy's assistant. I forget her name. Fatima, yes. Fatima is body positive. She's Mm -hmm. out here making her own rules for these men. She was like, listen, Mm -hmm. I date however many men I want to. I'm going to sleep with who I want to. You're not going to tell me who I am. I know who I am. You know, she's successful. She meets someone she likes. She's like, yo, I trust you. I'm going to put you on. She's a real one. And I think. In her storyline, I believe that the most. And she is the only one who is positive and shown in a good way that I can get behind. I like that. Yeah. And you know what I love about her character is that when she's confronted with someone doing something stupid, that's it. Like you're done. You're not coming back. She cuts you off. So I'm going to need I'm going to need top. Like, it's okay if one or maybe two of the characters have issues because we all do. Nobody's perfect. But what you're writing is some absolute bullshit. Like black women can be successful in their lives and be happy in love. Yes, it's um, how we say back in the old country. It's mierda, mierda y más mierda. Tell them, Sally. Now, moving on to Bravo Murray to Medicine premiere just this past weekend. And... Okay, so this is a show that, right, so it centers around all these medical professionals. So obviously, off the bat, we know that COVID is going to be a central issue when discussing this. So not only are they medical professionals, they're all Black medical professionals. And as we've seen throughout this past year, uh, um, communities of color have been disproportionately affected by this panorama. However, Panasonic, no Panasonic, I still cannot stand heavenly. Cannot. Cannot. Heavenly is like a true person that your name is the opposite of who you are. She is so annoying. Her attitude is so negative. And yes, she is in medicine. Yes, she is a dentist. You you deserve everything that you have. But your attitude is nasty. And that's going to come back to you. I really do mm-hmm. like her children. And I like her husband. I like her family aspect. But I'm going to need her to tone down all that bullshit that she brings the other women. Because it's like, girl... This shit's going to catch up to you. Yes, she does the M-O-S-T most. And it's not cute. Also, what was not cute, that outfit she had on. I was not feeling it. Yeah, she in the premiere episode, she had a party at her house and she looked a hot mess. But what I want to know is in this episode, how are you not going to have Quad? Yeah, where was she? Maybe or maybe Quad is actually taking the pandemic seriously and choosing to not be around such enclosed spaces that are not very socially distant at all no i don't believe that i believe bravo pays them enough that her ass should have been in the premiere episode okay yeah you're right there's that there's okay that. There's that. so Andy, with a y, i'm gonna need you to answer what's going on yes yeah, so i'm gonna need her to show up also we see that jackie and simone did not make up and you know what i kind of liked i didn't like seeing that you know black women were you know fighting 
well, not fighting, but just not on the same page. But I kind of like seeing that, you know, no matter what the age is, you're always going to have this kind of like high school. Okay, I'm not talking to her because she didn't reach out to me and she didn't reach out to me. So I'm not talking to her. That's kind of what was going on. And these women are in their like 50s. I know Jackie's like in her 60s, but she looks good. You know, black don't crack. No, I think but- she's still in her late 50s. Mm-mm, she's not but black don't crack so i won't put her out there oh, but what i'm saying is these are professional OBGYNs. they have spent decades being great doctors and they still have you know regular issues like you me or anybody else that is good to know and i'm sure that they will make up so i'm not pressed by it but it was good to see a premiere of these great women whether they are in the medical field or married to medicine. It was great to see how Atlanta and these people tackled the pandemic and helped their community and really reached out to others and giving them, you know, COVID tests, getting them ready for the vaccine, et cetera. That was great to see. So I'm looking forward to what these women are going to do, whether it be medically or just messy, messy, messy. Yep. And then speaking of, um, you know, fun shade or palm trees or shade, one of the things that I find extremely funny is how they are always shading heavily for the fact that she's just a dentist and everyone else is a real doctor. Exactly. And that's a perfect that's why heavily is a friend of me, because mm-hmm. her attitude is nasty. But also, yeah, you're a dentist, but you want to act like your shit don't stink, girl. It's the stankiest. <laughs> you right. And speaking of stankiest, let's talk about Kenya's stank ass attitude. Uh, when we're talking about Bravo's uh, Atlanta Housewives bachelorette party. And when it came to spilling the tea at the bachelorette or well, first, about the bachelorette. Well, first, let's talk about that bachelorette party. How about that? Yes. So Cynthia Bailey is getting married soon. In the next episode, for the second for the second time after yes. like a, mil- a million engagements, but you yes. know she's doing good, you know. So she's her found time. her forever. Her hashtag chill with uh, Mike Hill, and you know, in preparation for getting married, you do what you know what you always do. You have a bachelor party. You have a bachelorette party. Now, what is the golden cardinal rule about bachelorette and bachelor parties? Tree, you keep that shit to yourself. And keep your mouth shut. As Kevin Hart says, you mind your damn motherfucking business, bitch. You can't be out here. You know, snitches get snitches. You can't be out here just spilling the tea on what is supposed to be a judgment-free girls weekend trip. That is also a bachelorette party that started out as everyone prefacing. This is a judgment-free zone. So judgy Judy's, you stay your ass on home. Absolutely. But on top of that, if you want to be messy like Kenya and go spilling tea about the bachelorette party, you probably shouldn't have been bent over with your legs open from left to right. I mean, the girl was all over on the floor. So people can talk about you, too. Like, I don't understand. It's not like you were innocent, honey. What's going on? Well, people talk when they can't get what it is that they actually want because they have to be drinking that haterade, that haterade, that hateration tea. Yeah, so I feel like Kenya is not even a friend of me. She's just the ultimate enemy. She's a foe to to everyone because she holds no one loyal. She even got mad at her friend Latoya for a second because Latoya, you know, had a good old time with Portia and some of the other girls. It's like you can't tell your friends who to be friends with. That's not how it works. But But was not having a good time with Kenya. That's who she wanted her to be having a good time with. 
But also, speaking of friends, we can't forget the highlights of the bachelorette party, which was Bolo and his thang thang. Oh, yeah. Bring him back to Bolo and his thang. So good. So nice. You got to talk about it twice. Hmm. We have to mention Bolo and separately his thang because they are two different people. Yes. It's Bolo and it's his thang. Apparently, you know, him and Portia had a good time. And you know what? I don't blame Portia. She was on vacation in the middle of the pandemic. In the midst of a pandemic, she's single. She is a mom. She was getting some time away from her daughter and she was having a good time at a bachelorette party. They all got COVID tests, allegedly. They all got COVID tests. And you know what? She deserves to do what she feels like she should do with as a single woman with a, a hopefully a single man. And I think that they had a, a real good time. She had a good time. With yes. Bolo. And that is her business. One of the things that was pissing me off so much about Kenya is that she kept making such a big deal about, oh, someone's hooking up in the house. That is so rude. That is so unacceptable. That is so disrespectful. And I'm over here like, OK, so clearly y'all, this is like we already know that y'all are not really friends. But now we know, know that y'all are not really friends, because why do you care about what someone is doing in the privacy of their their own bedroom it's not like she was out doing it in a common area it's not like they were doing it in the bathroom it's not like she came downstairs and they were sprawled out across the kitchen counter there I could say okay you may have you know your own reasons for why I would say all right that was a little bit rude but if I'm in my room with my door closed minding my black ass business why the fuck you got to be in it Yes, and I understand. And I get that, you know, Kenya's take on it was, well, we're here working and we're taping a show. So you shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z. First of all, don't tell someone what they should and should not be doing. And second of all, they did tell the cameras to shut down so that they can continue on with their night, whatever should happen. They did tell the cameras, don't film this. So I feel like they have every right to go forward and have fun however they see fit. And Kenya needs to stop being so shady. I feel like she's trying to blow out of proportion what other people are doing because she's not happy in her own life. And she's shown that time and time again. And she even mentioned leaving her daughter, who was in the same house, by the way, for a good 20 something minutes while she was listening to these supposed noises of a housewife hooking up with Bolo and his thing. And it's like, honey, girl, if you're that shocked as to what's going on and that there was a bachelorette party in the house, your daughter did not have to be there. You have a babysitter. Your daughter could have stayed at a different location with the babysitter and you could have gone to see your daughter there. But to leave your daughter and to mention you left your daughter to go listen in and sneak and snoop on somebody get a life and it's like we already know she's not happy in her situation because she's currently trying to go through a divorce but don't bring your negativity on other people who are trying to have fun well and then the thing is that she keeps talking about oh this is not proper for you to do at work and i go girl what work this is a reality tv show the same rules that you would follow in an office are not the same rules that you would follow here and even if we were to do that, let's assume that you were treating this as your job. Um, since when you bring your daughter to work every single day? I mean, listen, that, that's all true. But what I'm saying is Kenya can't tell somebody else what is appropriate and what is not. Exactly. Whatever she would do is her business. Whatever Portia or the other women would do is their business. It's and the fact, mind your business. Just mind your business. Absolutely. But you know what? I feel like Kenya's doing the most. She's definitely a foe and a friend of me. 
no friend to anyone there. She has a lot of issues to work out. And I don't think the woman's ever going to just be normal. I don't think she's ever going to mm-hmm. be like a proper good person to anyone. She's a friend of me, a foe and a snitch, because, you know, she's the one who definitely leaked it to page six where she was saying, oh, no, I would never leak it directly. If anything, what I what could have happened is someone told someone else who then leaked it to page six. I go, girl, you might as well just change your name to a rental James right now because you this is a whole like, oh, I didn't do it. But if I had done it, this is how I did it. You just basically told us that you're the leak. You're the one who told all the tabloids about what was going on in the bachelorette party. That's not right. It's not right. And I think it's without, you know, words to say that at a bachelorette party, you leave that shit there at a bachelor bachelorette party. You have your fun. You, you know what I mean? As long as it doesn't go too far where the person who's about to get married does something to slip up, but also exactly that's, that's on them. Again, leave all the fun games and hurrah at the party and go back to your normal lives. Kenya needs to keep that mouth shut. And she's supposed to be from motherfucking Detroit. You mean to tell me that you don't understand what the code is? Get out of here. She knows the code. She never follows any rules that she tells other people to follow. This is true. You know what? That is very true because she's this um, do as I say, not as I do. Mm hmm. And that wraps up our portion of celebrity news and reality TV roundup. That's all we have today on it. Be your own people. Stay woke, stay alert, and tune in next time.